1: not used to hearing my name come back to me. Um, but yeah, so if I have not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt. Um, I am a member here. And as always, I say it every time, but it is a genuine um, feeling that I have that I am just honored and privileged, excited to be here with you this morning, excited to be sharing the gospel, getting a chance. And again, it is a privilege and an honor, at least that's the way that I look at it, to read from the Word of God, um, the inspired Word of God, being able to share that with you. And uh, hopefully that um, God moves in this place through um, these words and that we're able to experience what he wants us to experience here this morning. So, uh, as Jim mentioned earlier during the announcements, uh, we are starting into a new sermon series. We're going to be going through it for the month of August, and uh, it's a little bit different. We wanted to tell you a little bit about it before we fully kicked off into it, um, because it's not going to be uh, fully on patience the way that uh, we have in the past uh, for the rest of the year. See. As many of you are aware, uh, we've been having a uh, pretty interesting time the past few years in this country, in this world, right? Um, Things have been changing. Things have been shifting. Things have been um, scary. They've been... just a lot of just really uncertainty, chaos going on. And uh, as Pastor Brandon was praying and trying to figure out the end of this year, uh, we were meeting together and we were trying to kind of toss around what it looked like to kind of finish out this year. We were looking at patience, things like that, and God was really laying on His heart that we maybe needed to circle back and kind of just uh, realign ourselves. Um, sometimes it takes that. Sometimes you're running a race, and sometimes you have to get back into that like mindset. You know, you might be in a game if you played sports, and uh, the game might be going, and all of a sudden you need to take a timeout, regroup, look at our game plan, and then we can go out and be more effective. And so that's what we decided to do for the end of the year. We're going to look, regroup try to be more effective closing out the year and so this is an exciting time. If you're new here, then it's a time for you to learn a little bit more about us as North Maine and our, our purpose here and what we um, are trying to do as a church. Uh, if you are a longtime member, then it's a time for you to just reacquaint yourself and, uh, and to make kind of a mental check of where you are in the process and where you are um, and in the, uh, each individual stage of our uh, vision, vision and purpose and so, uh, if you didn't grab one, we do have some pamphlets or like booklets, and they've got some good questions. It has like a self evaluation guide in it, and it has a lot of like extra stuff. And Christy's holding it up for us. And, uh, and if you need one of those, they are sitting outside the door, so you can grab one. Um, but this morning, like I said, we are going to kick it off and we're going to look through. Uh, so, vision and purpose. Uh, For churches, sometimes this is a difficult thing. It shouldn't be as difficult as it is, but sometimes uh, we make it more convoluted than it needs to be. I have been on staff at three different churches in my life, and each one of them has the same purpose. They may have worded it differently, but if you really boil it down, every church that I've been a part of, and it really should be this way, should have the same purpose. That purpose is given to us by Jesus Christ. And so as a church, as an organization, when we're looking and saying, how do we want to function? What is our purpose of this group of gathering together? Why do we come in here week after week after week? What is our goal? Um, It should be what Jesus tells us it should be, right? And so the very first thing that we do is we're going to look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. This is where we get our purpose from. And this is really what every church should be getting its purpose from. This is the great commission given to us by Jesus Christ uh, before he returned up to heaven. And so he's talking with his disciples and he's trying to tell them what they should do next. What comes next? What should they do in this walk and this being disciples of his now that he is ascending into heaven? And so if you would read with me, it's Matthew 28, like I said, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given to you. Be sure of this. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we see here right off the bat that um, the purpose that we are to have is pretty clear. He lays it out. Uh, to go and make disciples. And uh, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given to you. So here at North Maine, we say that we want to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. That no grow, go, right? So we're going to look at each one of those things. But that's our purpose. Our purpose as a church is to try and create or make disciples. And we look at how do we do that because it's a lot easier said than done. To make a disciple, um, it's even hard to wrap our head around what a disciple is. And so I figured as we were going into this, we're going to talk today about knowing God and how that is the very first step into becoming a true disciple. And how we look at that, as far as North Main goes, as being one of the key points to walking in this relationship with Christ. But a lot of times, like I said, we don't even have a full grasp of what it means to be a disciple. Uh, a lot of times we struggle with it because it can look very similar to some other things. It can look very similar to fandom. Um, and, uh, and if, if you're, if you're kind of confused what I mean by that, um, when I worked at one of the other churches that I worked at, we had a couple of professional athletes that attended the, um, the, the church, and through my time on staff there, I was able to uh, form some relationships with them. We had a couple of people on the, the Penguins, we had a couple of people on the Steelers, um, and the funny thing is, is, that I don't follow sports all that much. I fully admit it to people. Um, I will go out and I'll cheer for our Pittsburgh teams, but I don't know anything about them. So if you were like, oh, you know, did you see how this person did? I'd be like, ah, I'm, did they do good? I hope. <laughs> um, but that's about my extent of my, my sports. But um, whenever I got to know some of these people at this church that I was working at, it really did kind of change my perspective on fandom, on celebrity, uh, because in a weird way, I was getting to know some of these people. And to me, they were just, you know, Jim or they were just Tom, you know, and, and to other people, they were these, these huge icons. And, and whenever I was uh, meeting with them, it really made me understand that a lot of these other people could know a lot of facts about them. They could be big fans of them, but many of them had never even spoken to them. And many of them had never even interacted with them. And so when they came and they were, a lot of times they were even intimidated to talk to them. They couldn't approach them. They didn't know entirely how to act. They didn't know exactly like their hopes or dreams or where they sat, you know, as a disciple of Christ. And so it was interesting because you got to see how even within the church people were reacting with fandom and, and this. And we can get like that with Christ, Uh, The same way, we can learn a lot about Christ. We can learn stats. We can learn Bible verses. We can memorize things. Uh, We can do a lot of different things to become a fan of Christ without ever making that next step to being a disciple. And so that's why the very first thing on our kind of pathway of becoming a fully committed follower of Christ, becoming a disciple of Christ, is to know God intimately, to know Christ intimately. The very first step, and again, when we look at that, we say, "Okay, that's that's easier said than done." When we to know Christ, how do we know Christ? And so today, I'm going to work through about just three steps. Um, I know it's always it's a three-step process, right? But these are the three steps um, that we look at as ways in order to further your relationship with Christ. And so the first one that we want to look at today is how do we know God better is we learn to know God through study. Now, these aren't in any particular order. The truth of it is is that when I was making up this sermon, I went through and looked at just kind of how I approach Christ, my relationship with Christ. And so you might flip these around in different orders. These aren't like, you know, in it, like, again, like you have to go in these steps specifically. It's just whenever I am trying to grow closer with Christ— uh, the very first thing that I tend to do is to study. Uh, study in his word. Um, we know that the Bible is the inspire word of God. And so what we mean by that, a lot of times when we say that you may have heard it was God breathed. Uh, and one of the things that we mean by that is that God inspired men and women throughout history to speak his words, to write them down, to share them with their families. And then throughout history, those have become compiled into this book that we know as the Bible. And so I fully believe that in here, if, if you read through it, it's very interesting. Pastor Brandon has said time and time again that you got really got to read it. You got to get into it. And it's the truth. In here is poetry. There's history there's drama. There's all sorts of different things because these were men and women who were real people experiencing real life, and they were trying to do the things that we were trying are trying to do. They were trying to grow closer and closer to God, and God in that relationship was feeding into them. And through that process, they would record it down. The crazy thing is, is that, um, and this is again my my personal belief when it comes to scripture, is that all that we need to have a good, full relationship with Christ is here in Scripture. We don't need anything added to it. However, I still believe that people are having God-breathed inspiration into them to this day. You can hear people and read people who are trying to struggle through the things that we are going through day in and day out, trying to struggle through this global pandemic, trying to struggle through the politics of our day with this as their basis and in that light, they're getting not new inspiration, but new ways of communication, new ways of interaction with Christ. And so we see the word of God doesn't transform, but it's not dead. It's alive. It's growing. It's continuing. It's being built upon. And we should be in it, devouring it, looking at it, trying to consume these different um, these different things that are in the Bible, like I said, sometimes we look at them and we have trouble because it is so different in, uh, in its narrative. A lot of times we get to things like numbers, which is basically an accounting book. And we're like, how do we read through an accounting book? This is not very exciting. And yet, when we read through, we are given glimpses into how God worked even in the mundane of accounting. Even in the mundane of the, of the books, He was there and present. And so when we look at this, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to, to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That's the NLT version. So you might say a little bit different, but the overarching thing through the Bible is that this word is an anchor point. This word is our first steps into experiencing God. It's our first ability to be able to reach in and to struggle through. And what, what's cool is that, for me personally, we see that it begins to build, interact together. Uh, the word of God interacts not only the, with our... How do I want to put this? So the Holy Spirit uses the word of God if we consume it. If we put this into our brains, if we put this into our souls, then it's almost like a reference point that the Holy Spirit can pull and use within our lives. And what do I mean by this? Uh, A lot of times when I'm struggling, when I'm trying to uh, work through something in my life, and I'm praying, and and a lot of times people come and they say, well, When I pray, I don't hear anything. And we're going to talk about this in a moment when we talk about prayer. I don't hear anything. I don't hear God speaking to me. And I share with them, I don't hear an audible voice either. I don't hear God, you know, when I'm trying to struggle with a uh, decision that I'm going to make or, or when I'm nervous about witnessing to someone and I'm praying to God, God, please, you know, give me the words to say or what should I do in this situation. I don't necessarily hear God say, oh, well, Matt, do this, this, and this. But what ends up starting to pop into my head when I'm silent and I'm reflective are verses that I've read. Verses like, why worry about today? Or why worry about tomorrow when today has enough worries of its own? When God promises that, doesn't He not clothe the flowers and feed the birds? Will He not take care of us? And all of a sudden, those verses start popping into my head. And when that happens, I begin to feel calm. I begin to feel like I can do things. And so we have to have that basis of Scripture or else we can't have those. Even Christ, that's what Christ did, right? When he went into uh, the wilderness and was tempted by Satan, Satan was putting those thoughts into his head, was giving him these opportunities to sin. And it was Christ's reflection on Scripture that allowed him to, to remain pure from those sins. And the same thing goes for us. When we want to know God, when we want to know what he wants us to do, when we want that to be a part of our lives as a resource that we can reach into when we're struggling or stumbling, we have to dive into it. And trust me, I know, it can be pretty hard. Um, we, me and my daughter the other day, we were reading through a passage of scripture and I said, well, yeah, I'll just, I'm gonna read you um, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount is like what we were working through, we were reading through, and we got maybe like four sentences in. <laughs> it took us like, I, I had allotted like an hour, and we went through like four sentences. That was it, because it was, I needed to explain it, and I needed to try and figure it out, and sometimes that's what it takes us. Sometimes when we get into it, I, we, we have these you know, preconceived notions of what studying the Bible looks like or what studying um, Scripture looks like. And sometimes it takes some wrestling. Sometimes it takes outside resources. Sometimes it takes other people who have understood it. Don't let a complexity or a fear or a lack of time be something that keeps you from diving into the Word. Because if we truly want to know Christ, it's the very best place to start. Very blessed place to start. The second step, the second thing we do is through prayer. And this one, again, is a hang-up for some people. I know for me, I struggled for many years with prayer. I struggled with what it looked like because what I had experienced was very corporate prayer, right? Uh, what I experienced was prayer within this Area. You know, it was a pastor who led prayer or a leader who led prayer, and I've just kind of listened and followed along. And so what did it mean to pray within my own um, life and the day? And, and we see in Scripture that in Ephesians 6.18, uh, this is Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he writes, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. How do I pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion? I was struggling that for that with years. Years and years, I really j- just could not understand. I said, do I need to stop? I mean, because we look at prayer and we see Jesus tell us that when we are to pray, we are to go into a separate place where we are by ourselves to, to be alone. And we see Jesus doing that. He steps away from his disciples in times of decision or in times of stress when he feels overwhelmed. I know it's hard to picture our Messiah as feeling overwhelmed or feeling like he needed to step away, but it's the truth. The Bible says That when the crowds became too much, when he needed to reconnect, to recharge, to refuel, to get back in touch with his father, he needed to step away and go into a time of prayer. And so I I kept thinking to myself, there has to be something about prayer that I'm missing. And, And it was, because I wasn't looking at prayer as a conversation. See, I had not been if I'm being honest with everyone, I had not been truly studying and my prayers were more wish fulfillment, right? God, I, I don't wanna be, I'm, I feel sick, so please, you know, heal me. Or, you know, I've got this big thing, let it go well. Please protect me in this, in this thing that I have to go do. You know, I, I'm applying for a new job, can you please let that go well? That was kind of my prayer and then I would come here or into a church and we would pray corporately As I've grown in my relationship with Christ, I've come to realize that the conversation is what's important. Now, a lot of people will come back and they'll say, well, I just don't hear anything. I'll I'll put out questions. And that gets me back to the study. The answers are here. And he uses them when you know it. When you begin to know him when you begin to know and can feel, and trust me, there's things that pop into our head that come from us, but the more you get to know him, the more you can tell the difference. I can clearly tell the difference when it's my idea, if I'm just being honest. And sometimes, because I'm human, I push it. And I say, yeah, I want this idea. This is what it's going to be. And, you know, a lot of times, and whether or not that is... uh, Sometimes it doesn't crash and burn, right? Sometimes it goes fine, but I think back on it with regret because I look and say, what could it have been? I don't know, or maybe in that moment I stressed myself out because I was pushing so hard for my own idea and what God's idea was, take a break. (laughs) But we have to be within prayer. So what I started to do was just have conversations with God. And what it was was, uh, for a lack of better example, I said, well, how do I interact with my dad? My dad and I have a good relationship, and, and as many as you know, we work together, and so um, we see each other every day, and we try to communicate, and, and one of the things that I said was, like, whenever I'm happy about something, I go and I tell my dad, hey, this cool thing happened, or check out this new thing that I just discovered, or I learned this over the weekend. I wanted to tell you about it. When I'm upset, I go to my dad, and I'm like, hey, dad, like, I'm having a rough day. I just don't know what's up. Can you, and I need advice. I know that some of you don't have that luxury or that, uh, that privilege of being able to have a relationship with a dad like that. So I know that that's something that some people might not be able to pull from. Uh, but one of the things that I began to realize is that um, it's just a conversation. It's a relationship. And so I started doing those same things with God. So little things, silly things even, I'd be going into Walmart and I'd need a case of water and I'd go in and there'd be one case of water left and I'd grab it and I'd say, thank you, God. That's awesome. Thank you. And some people might be like, well, he didn't put that case of water there for you. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know, but I can thank him for it because the Bible tells us that all good things in this life stem from God. And so when I get up in the morning, I say, thank you, God, that I was able to get up this morning. When I get to work, I say, thank you, God, that I'm able to get to work. Thank you that I didn't get into a car accident. Hey, when I've been in the hospital, and I've been in the hospital a lot, I say, thank you, God, that I'm able to interact with these people that I'm here today. I also say, God, I'm so scared right now. Please, please give me strength. And that conversation becomes more and more fluid. And it's, I don't say it out loud. Sometimes I do. It's mostly in my head. But I have to think that that's what Paul is talking about when he's saying praying in the spirit. It's a conversation, a a day-long conversation all day. And sometimes it is corporate. Every night our family gets together and we say a prayer. We thank God for the things that he's given to us. We thank God for the, uh, the business that he's given to our family. We thank God for each employee that's there. We thank him for everything that he's done for us for the home. And sometimes what's interesting is I think about our home, and, and our home is very old, and we've been repairing it over the years. And sometimes I'm very frustrated with our home. <laughs> and yet every night we are very deliberate in saying thankful, thank, thank you to God for our home. And what has helped me is that prayer has helped me be, what we've been talking about this year has been patient, content. It helps alleviate stress because I can lay these things on God when I'm worried. And if I'm doing my study, then in those times of prayer, when I say, God, I'm scared, or God, I need guidance, then scripture starts popping up into my head. And it says, I'll be with you. And sometimes it's convicting. Sometimes I'm like, God, things are not going right right now. And the scripture pops into my head, and it says, you're not following me right now. Oh, man. That's not necessarily the answer I wanted, God, but I understand it. And so prayer and study, they go hand in hand because it's the way that God communicates with us, and it's how we get to know him. The final thing is, once we get to know him better, and once we get to realize who he is, we understand that he is elevated above us. And that leads us to our last point is to get to know God, we have to worship him because he's worthy of being worshiped. It's part of who he is. It's, he's the God of the universe. He's created all things. He created me. He created you. He gives us the air in our lungs He is worthy of being worshiped, and so as an inherent part of who he is, it is part of getting to know him. And worship looks differently than a lot of people think. See, this is part of it, being here, and it's important. The Bible tells us to continue to worship with each other, to not cease doing that. But at the same time, the Bible tells us to worship continually, that it is a sacrificial form of worship, day in and day out, every day we are supposed to give of ourselves. I wanted to read these verses because I think that they're really powerful about our relationship to God. So, the first one is John 4, 19-26. through 26. This is an interaction that Jesus has with a woman, and it's a very interesting one. And I have a little bit of commentary here in the Bible that I want to read as well. It says, John 4, 19, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jesus know all we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in this way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The commentary here I think is very interesting. It says down below, God is spirit means that he is not a physical being limited to one place. He is present everywhere, and he can be worshipped anywhere, at any time. Where we worship is not what counts, but how we worship is what's important. Is your worship genuine and true? Do you have the Holy Spirit's help? How does the Holy Spirit help us worship? The Holy Spirit prays for us, it says in Romans 8, 26. The Holy Spirit reminds us of words of Jesus, John 14, 26. As I was saying, when you pray, those words, they start to pop up into your head, the verses. The Holy Spirit uses Scripture in order to answer your prayers. That's in John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit cleanses our minds and our consciences, helping us throw away doubt and fear and sin. That's in Titus 3, 4 through 7. And the Holy Spirit tells us that we are loved. Romans 5.15, or 5.5. We are to worship God at all times. And as we worship him, we begin to see that he is a good God, that he is a loving God, that he is a God who encourages us and supports us. He does require things of us. That's what his word says. And yet the things he requires of us are to make life better for us. So I wanted to close in this last verse because I thought it was an interesting verse here too. Um, Romans 12:1 through 2. And so brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifices that are the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the ways and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, if we want to know God, we have to put in some work, um, just like you do with any relationship. And some people might stop and be thinking right now, well, I just don't know if that's crucial for me. Like if I accept that Jesus Christ is Savior and, you know, I'm good. Like I've accepted that and, you know, I come on Sundays and I don't know if I want to dig further in. I don't know if this like prayer ceasingly, you know, or unceasingly or being in in constant worship while I'm at work or while I'm driving or while I'm shopping, that's a lot of a commitment. Why would I do that? And I kept thinking to myself, of bringing back kind of full circle, back to uh, me working with my dad. Um, at our company, there are people, my dad is the owner, and, and there are people who are below him but above me, right? So there are people who are my bosses in the company. And yet, because I am his son, I have an inherent uh, special position. Uh, Not in that it's anything elevated, but everyone knows that, hey, if we need to ask something about uh, Bill and he's not here, let's find Matt. Because I have an intimate knowledge of my dad. I know my dad and so I can act as a representative of him. So when they come to me, and it's not big things, not big, huge company things. I'm just talking about little things like when he's away and they come in and say, hey, do you think he would like this color for this? Yeah, he likes that color. Or Do you think he'd be okay with us purchasing this? Yeah, that'd be okay. But here's the thing. Even as his son, even if I claim to be his son and say, yeah, I'm his son, if my actions as his representative did not correctly represent him, they would stop asking me. They would come and they would say, He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know his dad at all. We're not going to ask him. You know, if, if they came and said, Hey, do you think this would be a good choice? Do you think your dad would be okay with it? And I said, Yes. And then my dad got back and he was like, What, did, what happened? You know, I hate this. They're probably not going to care what I say again, even if I claim to be his son, even if I am his son. If we want to be disciples, representatives of God, of Christ, we have to represent, represent him well. That means controlling our worldly desires and leaning heavily into his desires, leaning heavily into studying scripture, constantly in prayer and communication, and worshiping him ceasingly, unceasingly. I keep mixing those up. Because that's what brings us closer and makes us disciples. So as we work through this, like I said, next week we're going to talk about growing. Um, The cool thing about our model here is that this is not just something for new Christians, the No grow, go. It's not something that you just joined North Main and that's what you got to do. This is continual. This is for me. This is for Pastor Brandon. This is for you. I continually have to go and try to get to know him better. I continually have to grow. And there are times whenever I'm not doing these things and I distance myself from him. And so maybe that's where you're at. And that's okay. Because the cool thing about it is that God is a God who has his arms wide open. So he invites you to come back. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I would uh, ask that you join me in prayer. As we sing this last song, um, you are welcome to come to the altars. The altar to my right, your left here, um, is one that's available with people that will come up and pray with you. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you just need that reconnection. Maybe it's nothing huge. It's just like, you know what? I have not been. I've not been digging into my relationship with Christ. I've kind of been coasting. I just want to reaffirm that. Come up here. Someone will pray with you. You can come over to my left, your right, and, uh, and do that by yourself if you'd like to as well. Um, Come to that one and, and people will let you pray on your own. Uh, if you'd like to talk with somebody as well afterwards, find uh, one of the leaders here. we were always hanging out afterwards and uh, we'd love to talk to you if you have any questions or anything like that. Um, but let's close this in prayer and then uh, have a song of worship The end. Dear God, we just come before you this morning and we thank you. We praise your name because you're worthy of being praised. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this world that is hard and tough, scary. There's a lot of things that make us want to turn inward, to be frustrated, to be angry at things. And yet your word tells us that if we lean into you, you are the one that gives us joy, peace, Patience, kindness, love. God, we want to know you more. We love you and we want to be more like you. We want to be disciples who are good representatives. People who the world sees and says, I want to know what is that that's all about. God, that's all we ask. That's what we pray. We will stumble. and We ask your forgiveness. God, we just thank you so much. And we praise you. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Maine is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.